Welcome to this podcast recording from the 2022 Pod Partnership Opportunities in Drug Delivery Conference. The Pod Conference is produced by the Conference Forum. For more information, please visit podconference.com. Enjoy the podcast recording from Pod 2022. Thanks for uh, joining this session, which is connected devices providing the right level of value to patients that create value back to the company. My name is Mark DeStefano. I'm a director with uh, Teva Pharmaceuticals, and I head up their advanced technology group looking at new technologies. Um, if everyone would, just give a quick introduction as to who you are, and then we'll get right to, a, right to the topic. Sure. Thanks. Hi, I'm Lily Stairs. I am a three-time autoimmune patient, uh, you know, taking self-injecting medication. I wear a lot of different hats. I'm also the board chair of the Autoimmune Association, and I run a consultancy that sits at the intersection of patient engagement and marketing. So I come at this from a lot of different lenses and have a couple of clients in the connected device space. Thanks. Hi, everyone. I'm David Harrison. I'm head of device manufacturing partnerships which does exactly what it says there, although sometimes it's not necessarily in that order. Um, we have a um, connected device out on the market um, for our Simsia product, and so we've got some good uh, real-world evidence, and we're wondering, um, is it good enough, and is it worth it? Hi. Uh, Salam? No. <laughs> Uh, Kevin Dean, uh, I head uh, products and platforms at Philips Metasize, um, and we're also been involved in connected devices for some time and have Beta Connect on the market for about seven years now. Hi, my name is Andrea Seff. I'm the general manager for Eitan Medical. We've been having connected devices for more than a decade now on the market, and it will be an interesting discussion. Um, I'm Brad Womble. I run strategy for our healthcare group at Jabil, as well as uh, mergers and acquisitions. Great. Thanks, everyone. So uh, I'm, I'm not good at being an actor, so I have to read what I write because I can't remember it all. But uh, just kind of a, a, a preface. So connectivity in general has grown, as everyone knows, exponentially in the last 10, 12 years, right? In the consumer space, everything is connected. People want connected stuff. They want their TikTok. They want all this kind of stuff and be able to do stuff. But in the medical space, obviously, it's a bit slower to implement, right? So uh, a lot of questions surrounding the, the, the value that the connectivity brings to the user, the pharma, and also the regulatory environment are in question, right? What, what, what's going to happen there? So questions such as, is it needed? Will users use it? What is the cost, short-term and long-term, as we mentioned about uh, life cycle management? What do we do with all the data? What does the infrastructure cost to build and maintain? How much is too much and how fast is too fast with this, do we introduce technology? A lot of these questions circulate within every pharma company, right? And nobody really has a good answer at any one time. So here we'll try to address these. And what I want to do is start off, I know a lot of you know about some of the different value points, but I want to start off with a brief discussion of uh, the benefits of, the benefits connectivity has. Let's highlight some of the potential and perceived benefits for both the users and the pharma companies. Start with you, Lily. Sure. So from the, oh. Here we go. Hold on. There we go. Uh, so from the, the patient side, there's, of course, a, a number of different factors. There are a lot of patients who are really, you know, they're getting involved in their care. They're empowered. They're active. We have Dr. Google. And so you're looking up everything. Um, but I think 
we talk, we hear a lot about adherence from the pharma side, from the physician side, but adherence is actually very important to patients too. Uh, many of the patients that I work with who are, for example, on an injectable, injectable medication like myself, or perhaps they take a pill, a lot of these connected devices that you see are geared towards adherence. And again, it's important to them. I have a, a friend who's an advocate who recently um, had a seizure because he missed two doses of his epilepsy medication. And so uh, a device that's helping him to stay on track with his meds is just as important to him as it is to his physician. Um, and, and same with, again, folks who self-inject. So I think that adherence piece is important. I also think that there's a value in data and, and patients being able to own some of this data and bring that into their physicians so that they can open up lines of conversation with them um, when you're able to track some of that um, information that's coming in from a connected device. Great. Thanks, Lily. Um, yeah, so I take it step back really and ask um, what's it connected to? What's it supposed to be connected to? Um, we spent years actually bringing AVA out, uh, extensively testing it, um, you know, ecosystem testing they called it, but it was essentially a bunch of expensive Swedish and uh, Swiss clinics and a few patients in each really living with the device and, and really informing the future development. So by the time we decided that it was time to go connected, I'd say it was already connected to the patients in a way that it was fundamental to solving some of the problems that we thought that a real sort of, you know, connected um, solution would be. Um, you know, adherence uh, and everything else is, is sky high with, um, with Ava, the connected version, but actually also with the non-connected version. It's difficult with the baseline uh, real-world evidence is... is, is is what it is you know it's it's evidence in the real world but evidence in the clinic i think proves to be pretty strong as well so you know sometimes some of the um things that you're you're trying to solve are already solved in a different way um yeah i'll leave it there right um so i agree david i think a lot of the evidence we got from beta connect is very similar to what you saw in eva um it, I think about it, I'm going to do very quick on the patient, but I want to focus more on pharma for a second. So, Lily, you're one of these amazing patients out who is fully technology savvy, using the technology, seeing the benefit in that. The reality is there's a bunch of patients out there who do, do not engage with the technology at all. And part of it is we just have to accept that we're going to segment patient population. Some people will gain benefit and some people won't. Um, I, I'm, I'm braver now. I wouldn't have been as brave in the last panel because there were too many pharma people on there. They would have beaten me up, but I only have David here, and, and he's a friend of mine. Um, I really question, I, before I beat up pharma, I wanna, how many people are from pharma out in the audience? Oh, that's a lot. I might not make it out the door. Um, uh, I really question how engaged pharma is in this. Right? I'll, I'll be really brutal about it. Um, I, I get a sense that pharma has a desire to ship and forget. I've been using this for about six months lately. Um, I'd rather get the product out the door and I don't have to worry about it, right? I get my money, there's nothing else that I have to do. Um, I, I think there's a fear of what we're gonna find out if we actually connect medication out in the field and find out how patients are actually using the medication. Um, and I'm not sure pharma wants to really take that journey. There probably is a bunch of advocates here, but when we get in, we talk to the people in market. I think most of the people in the market say, 
I don't want to have to deal with the product in the market. I just want to get it out in customers' hands and hope that there's a strong enough benefit. So I'd push back on pharma and say, you know, if it's really about patient centricity, you need to put your, your money where your mouth is a little bit and try and find out and engage with patients really in the field. So um, I hope still, I'm going to sit back after the session's over, wait for everybody to exit before I try and get out of the room. Thank you. So I think there are two points that I would like to add uh, because everything was really said correctly. But one of them is on the patient side and one of them is on the indication side. On the patient side, we, we just came out of COVID. We are here for the first time. And we saw the need to move patients home, right? We, all of us saw it. We, we lived it day to day. In order to move them home, we need to give them confidence. In order to, to give them the confidence, we need the right tools, right devices. And this is where we need the connectivity for will not be able to interact with each one of them at home. And, you know, even give them a, a, a thumbs up after they did something correctly or they infused correctly the medication or got it correctly, that's, that's a huge step ahead for those patients at home that are not like Lily, which is technology savvy, but they will get this small thumbs up. That's, that's a big step for them. And, and it also will help them take some responsibility on what they are getting and what they are doing. The issue we always encounter, there is no right solution. There is a patient journey, but this journey is different from patient to patient. And it's also a different from indication to indication. So we see uh, clear cases where it's a little bit more successful. And it actually doesn't come from the device or, or specifically from the drug. It comes from where the indication is similar. So those patients react and correspond together, and then the devices are connected to the same indication, the same purpose. So we see Aptar doing a good job on, on connecting those groups together. We see other companies also connecting those groups together. I think that's a place where we as device should enable that com uh, community of patients to connect. And, and pharma, again, again, in the same aspect of having the indication as a common thing, this will allow us to be with one solution for each one of them. That's a good point, Andre. And Kevin, you have a point, so hopefully we can continue that part of the conversation. Maybe the next question. But um, from the patient perspective, um, you know, to me and, and, and to a lot of the, a lot of the people that, that I talk to, it's about providing the right treatment at the right time, right? And that's easy to say, but we've known that for thousands of years. I mean, Eastern medicine, Western medicine, Hippocrates, Galen, all of these people were talking about each, each patient is unique and you have to treat that patient in, in, in a unique way. So we've known it for 2,000 years, but we finally are, are reaching a tipping point, you know, from a technology standpoint where we can actually start doing that, right? Um, where we can actually start, you know, moving towards an environment where we can provide the right treatment at the right time. So from the patient perspective, the benefit is really about creating that patient digital twin, right? And it's not just about um, the auto injector or the inhaler or, or the drug that they're taking. It's also about the other biometrics that need to be assessed in conjunction with it. And I think that goes to Kevin's point maybe about the ecosystem you know, element of it, but really it's about that patient digital to end from my perspective. Great, great conversation. The, the two things I would like to highlight and, and hit on some things you touched about. So one thing that's interesting to me is with a, with a home administration, right? The, the family oversight or the caregiver oversight. So you have elder patients who are now doing self-administration, they can't get to their doctor, right? 
you as a family member want to monitor, right? Because you may not be close to them. And as our, we have an elderly population, it's not dying off. They're getting older and older. So it, it could provide value there. But the other one I agree to is with proactive use of data. What's pharma going to do with all this data? Now you have to be proactive because pharma is a reactive organization. You get a complaint, it comes in, you get more complaints, then you respond. Now you have data that may be showing you something. What are you going to do with it? Right? So you might have to shift from a reactive mentality to a proactive mentality. So, great. So the next question I have for the panel here is, how can we balance the level of connectivity with the user needs relative to complexity to the user and the added device cost? Touching a little bit on costs from the previous session. Anybody want to start? I, I, yeah, I, I could start. I mean, I, from, from our perspective, it's, it's really how do we make it easy for our patients? Oh, is there someone else? No, 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 go, go, go. <laughs> they were fighting for the mic. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, you know, how do we make it easy for, uh, for patients? Well, I'm going to say consumers, too, because, I mean, we're talking about patients, but the reality is, you know, let's move toward, towards a world of preventative medicine where all of us can participate in it, right? But, uh, but how do we make it easy for, for patients and consumers to interface with, with these devices in a home setting? Um, and one of the things that, that, we, that we discovered in the statistics is that uh, for instance, like a, a patient that's over the age of 65, in the developed world, um, only, only about 55% of patients over the age of 65 actually have a smartphone, right? So, so let's say that you did have um, an auto injector, um, and it was associated with an app on a, on a mobile phone. Well, I mean, if, if the patient doesn't have a smartphone, what do you do? Do you issue a smartphone for them to use when, when they're using that drug, and they may or may not use it? Um, what we're thinking is, well, you know, why not create a system where, where you have, uh, you know, centralized uh, hub or something like that where you can not only link, um, uh, you know, auto-injectors or inhalers uh, into that, but also the other devices that might be used in consort with monitoring that patient and make it seamless, seamless for them to use it. What you don't want is a situation where you have an app and they've got a, they've got a Dexcom continuous glucose meter, they've got a Massimo pulse oximeter, they've got a... Uh, you know, uh, you know, an auto injector, and they have to open up three different apps in order to collect the data from those different devices. Let's make it, you know, easy for them to help facilitate uh, the connection and, and the data transmission, you know, as part of that. And I'll add, I, I do have, I have thoughts, Kevin, on what you said earlier, and I think with with pharma, and I don't want to bring us too far back, we don't have time, but um, I do think there's an important player missing from this conversation, and that's the payer. Um, and, and, Pharma, I don't think the blame is all on you. I think there are some compliance issues, and I think that payers need to be involved and, and active. But anyways. Um, that's understated. To, yeah. <laughs> so to, uh, that's my consultant hat on, not my patient advocate hat. But um, So to follow up on, on this response, uh, two things. One, we have to be doing the research and talking to the patients to figure out the unmet need. And some of that ethnographic research, too, where it's, you know, we're observing, where people don't always know what they want. You guys know that, right? And so... We need to better understand what they actually need and not just be developing something and pushing it out the door um, because we think it sounds great and it seems like it's going to be a good asset, but then nobody uses it. And also, Kevin, to Kevin's point, we do need to segment the patient population because there are patients who are not going to be as tech-savvy as I am. There are patients who are going to be, they don't want to share their data. And I think that's also a generational component too, right? So we have to be segmenting in, in that way. And so, you know, it always goes back to asking the patient. The second big thing is that, 
we can have connected devices, but you have to marry that with the human touch. Um, you know, I'm really big on that. Forget about trying to put technology out there and not having a customer care team or an advocate or somebody who can support that. Um, that's a critical component, especially for, for that older population. And so that's just a couple of my thoughts. Yeah, no, absolutely. I can only build on that, I guess, with, with some of my own inexperienced experiences. Um, I, I think, you know, connecting to you know, the caregivers and everything else is hugely powerful. And, and if we can have a tool that can do that better, faster, with a minimum of user steps, because that, that's what we count in, in, in usability and formative and all of this stuff is, you know, how many user steps? And, and there's some wonderful tools and solutions out there with just too many user steps. And so those are discounted. And, you know, calling your, you know, Auntie Marjorie and <clears throat> you know, telling her that you're safe and that you've taken your medicine is a user step. So if we can take that out, um, that's better. And then the, the backward connectivity comes in. You know, your mother can call and say, why haven't you taken your meds? You know, you know what happened last time and all of those police cars that turned up outside your house and all of this stuff and it's a drain to everybody. So I think there's huge value in, in that sort of circular connectivity for the patient um, support group. Um, and, you know, w when we're also looking at at devices and, and looking at the patient journey and looking at what the patients need and everything, we, we try and add um, preference, uh, you know, different choices. And then we say to the, the patients, okay, you know, choose which is best for you. And it's not necessarily the electromechanical connected device, um, you know, but, but that's there in the portfolio because there are patient populations out there that we're leaving behind and that, you know, I mean, in the cold light of day, we might spend a fortune trying to launch in you know, the different esoteric strange markets that pharma doesn't traditionally launch in from day one with an innovative, innovative drug. But yet there are patient populations at home that we can access with some of these tools. So, you know, those are just some additional thoughts on that. Thanks, David. Um, so I agree with everything that was said. I, I think our focus is always to try and get the simplest solution out there possible. So you want to reduce the friction from a use case point of view. It's, it's, it's funny though, isn't it? Because the people that you want to help the most, probably the people that need the help the most are the people who resist it the most or aren't tech savvy. So part of the challenge is when we provide these tools, you're almost at helping the people who are already motivated become a little bit better. The challenge is how do we try and find these tools that help us reach that set of the population that probably is a little bit resistant to the medication, a little bit resistant to sharing the data. And Brad, I like your idea. It is how, how do we start to get some of the connectivity tools a little bit easier to use? Um, one of the things that we learned in Beta Connect that I always found interesting is we, we tried to tie the connectivity solutions into a patient support program. And what the patient support program was doing was using it kind of as a triage, right? There are a set of people who are really adherent didn't have to talk to them at all. There were a set of people who weren't, and that's where most of the coaching effort went. But you also saw the people who changed behavior very quickly. And the patient support program then could take all of their time, and instead of trying to spread that across everybody, they're taking almost 80% of their time and focusing on the 20% of the users that really needed the most support. So it's how do we use the tools to try and target that population that needs it most? Um, and I just had one comment about cost. If you want to reduce cost, try to figure out how to reuse your technology over and over. If you have an e-module, and you can use that same e-module in hundreds of millions of devices versus a different e-module in every device, 
you can reduce costs by, by the same thing that all the consumer electronics people do. It's in the volume, right? So think about that. Um, so a, a quick one was, so does it create value to use connectivity broadly, or should we target connectivity use? And I think we touched a little bit on this, but I'd like to get some more input on that. So um, at least the segmentation or uh, even separation um, is necessary here. I think that uh, connectivity should be targeted. It's uh, really dependent on the specific indication or the specific patient population we are targeting with, and also specifically the devices. I think we can gain way more on the data and we can be more committed to the data received from those devices if we look at smaller uh, places, smaller groups, and then we can analyze better. If you have a broad information coming from multiple places, multiple uh, indication, multiple patient population, it will be harder for you to analyze the data. So all those uh, uh, cases, segmentation, and looking at separation of them will uh, allow us to give better care, but also to utilize the data for the patient, us, in a better way. Just real quickly on that, I completely agree. Um, if, if we can, and Lily mentioned this about the ethnographic research, I mean, if we can actually understand how the patients uh, or, or consumers are interfacing with their disease, you have the best opportunity, I feel, in order to arrive at a solution that's going to be effectual. However, what I, what I do feel is that um, we have so much siloed data now, right? Um, you know, data diabetes data re residing on one database, you know, heart rate data, you know, residing in an EMR and some other space. But, you know, having, um, you know, a, a digital platform that could be agnostic for multiple type of, of connectivity uh, in conjunction with the, the focus, you know, segmented approach, I, I think is, is critical. You, you guys are all good with that question? Any other comments on that one? Yeah, yeah, I'll just say that, I mean, for me, it might be more of a sort of existential argument um, the, it, it strikes me that, you know, developing it more broadly gives value to the pharma companies, um, but developing it more narrowly gives value to the patients, perhaps. Good. So last question here, and good, we're right on time. Uh, how can connected technology be implemented to provide good user acceptance and thus value to the pharma company? So how do we roll that out and implement that. And I, I had one thought on this, right? And, and we had talked about this in some of our pre-discussions is, I think we need to educate the HCPs as well. Because I think going right to the customer and trying to sell them technology is very hard. Their HCP is the frontline defense, right? And if an HCP is resistant to technology, they're never gonna talk to their users about it. They're never gonna have them even think about it. So I'm curious to get everybody's comments on how, we, how can we implement it. So maybe I could just start with that because I've got very little to say, so I'll say it first, and then I'll look smarter than I actually am. We, we designed ours to be a kind of, you know, nurse-at-home um, philosophy so that it could do everything that a nurse might do to enable home care and make sure that the adherence is naturally there because of the usability. Um, if I was a nurse, I probably wouldn't want it to replace my ability to be at that patient's home. I'll, I'll add, uh, one thing that's exciting from a policy standpoint is that we're actually seeing the remote therapeutic monitoring codes come in so that HCPs are incentivized. Um, and so I encourage folks who are in the connected device space to look into that and figure out how, how we can be promoting there. Um, and then I, I alluded to this earlier, the, the marrying the tech with the human touch. And I'd like to give actually a concrete example of that. One of the um, clients I work with, the Smart Sharp Spin um, Health Beacon, it's a connected device for people who self-inject at home. You know, it, it 
tells you your app, which side you need to inject on, all that good stuff. Um, but, you know, there's a team, there's a customer care team that are all certified as health coaches who are coming in and they're supporting these folks who are on um, the device to ensure that they're staying adherent and they're using it properly. And if they have questions, and, you know, you'll hear them, the customer care team they do often have the elderly folks calling in more who want to have conversations and maybe the people who are a little bit on the, you know, millennial Gen, uh, Gen Z side are, are not as likely to be get hopping on the phone. But it's there and it exists and it's marrying that tech and a human touch to be effective. All right, I, I'll give a little bit of experience from uh, some of the very early days of Beta Connect, which there's a lot of focus that we learned to... Um, get the HCPs with their first patient that they were um, going to be putting on the, the full connected therapy, make that experience work really well because then the HCP believed that that was a good solution and they were much more proactive in getting other patients on board it. But the other lesson that was learned in that, and I, I think it's relevant for most of the pharma companies, is how do you equip your sales force when they're having their interaction with the HCPs to be able to show and demonstrate a connected product so it looks really positive, right? It's a huge step up for most of the commercial teams to be able to show the value of these solutions. It's a real change for them. And if that interaction isn't successful, then it almost starts to torpedo the system from day one. Yeah, I, one, one thought on that. I mean, so we're, we're, we engage with, with several different large hospital care providers. And one of the things that we hear a lot uh, just this past year is, um, man, we really, I mean, th these new CPT codes that are coming out with respect to remote therapy monitoring, we want to be able to, we want to be able to help our, our, our patients and our, our customers in the field. But the reality is that we can't even take advantage of these CPT codes because we don't have the infrastructure to actually put into the patient's homes to be able to, us to enable, you know, the ability to actually capture that data. And these CPT codes, I mean, they're no joke. I mean, it's $165 for, for one code. Uh, it's $55 for, you know, for monitoring, you know, monthly. So it, it stacks up pretty good. So it's actually a pretty good, uh, you know, business model if we're able to execute on it. But the key is how do we get that infrastructure deployed to the patient's homes so that the healthcare practitioners can take advantage of it? Because these are the guys that are looking at the data inputs from multiple devices, not just the drug, but the other aspects of it that are used in conjunction with taking care of the patient. One point that I can share from our experience is uh, where we had uh, most success when we look at the HCPs from a different angle, we actually approached the pharmacies. So when the pharmacies were involved and the pharmacy was linking and closing loops with the data we were providing, they were ones that were pushing it actually into the hands of the HCPs. So that's another point that we always need to, to look at. Yeah, I had one last comment on that. If you go back many years before connected devices and you look at the insulin space, to Lily's point, what were the advocacy groups? These were people who got together in their own forums, right, and talked about how they use devices, how to monitor their therapy, how to deal with themselves. So, so there are clusters of people who do want to connect and do want to be able to have that information, whether they're active or passive, right? How do we engage that? How do we build that into our system for connectivity to give people options, not just an app that tells them something, but, but access to this human touch to other groups or people who may be able to help them? And that may be something you want to build into your connectivity structure is like, here's links that may help you use them to your advantage. So with that, I'd like to thank my panel. Hopefully you enjoyed this session. We hope you enjoyed this podcast recording from The Pod, Partnership Opportunities in Drug Delivery 2022 Conference. For more information, please visit podconference.com.